Hi, everyone. I'm John. And I'm Georgia. And we're here... Inside your ears... To talk about the mac and cheese of movies. This is Comfort Films. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 35 of the Comfort Films podcast. Today we're going to be discussing Legally Blonde. Yes, we are. With the amazing Reese Witherspoon. Mm -hmm. 2001 uh, kind of romantic-ish comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly chick flick, chick lit type girly girl movie. Yeah, because it came from a book, right? Exactly. All right. And uh, <laughs> we have a very, very special guest here to discuss it with us. Etta Goodridge. Etta. Hey, everyone. So happy to be here. I'm so excited. We love it. We are so psyched to have you as well. So we know Etta from Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's going to think that we have not met anyone the entire time we lived in California. <laughs> <clears throat> but not as good as everyone we knew from Massachusetts. Sorry, California people. I know. <laughs> everybody's coming back and it's awesome. It's <laughs> like a reunion. It. it is. We haven't mm-hmm. seen most people in 11 years or something. So yeah. And Etta is one of those. Um, so we met her through kind of the theater community based around Clark. Um, When we were doing Worcester Shakespeare, John also ended up involved in some of the Peapod Squad improv kind of rehearsals. Yep. And Etta was a high school student at the time, and she was coming to some of those rehearsals to learn improv. And she's one of the funniest people I think we've ever met. In Absolutely, our lives. we never forgot how funny you were, and we're like, we have to get her on this show, it's super dude. True. It's yeah. so true. Yeah, yeah. Um, and since we met, Etta has gone on to you know grow up a lot. Because <laughs> I mean, I remember when we met, you were like a kid, um, and she's recently married to Henry, who's equally hilarious person very funny dude a lot of great videos and yeah tell us what else you're up to quick before we jump into the movie oh goodness i'm not up to too much these days so um when i say i'm a couch potato that really is true and we just (laughs) recently bought a new couch because i told henry i just can't go on living my life to the fullest without a comfortable couch. I've just been spending so many years on these uncomfortable couches. So we got a new couch recently. I do just hang out there, watch TV movies all the time. Um, (laughs) But I'm also randomly extremely like athletic too, because I'll go to the gym all the time. So it's like all or nothing constantly. (laughs) <laughs> I love the couch thing. We have an yeah. uncomfortable couch at the moment as well. Oh, it's so bad. And it's definitely affecting my quality of life. So well, I aspire we... to be you here with so that. Bad. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you gotta... Ugh. The the last couch we had, the cushions were so firm. And they mm. just, like, would create gaps. And you'd oh. fall in them. Oh. And this, this couch is all fluffy. It has feathers inside it. Ooh. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I, I need to be more like you on this. I need to put my foot down and get a comfy couch because honestly, we're kind of the same. We spend a lot of time watching movies, yep. snacking it out, pizzaing it out. <laughs> or John know. goes oh. to the gym. So you guys kind of have a similar life. He's either at the gym oh. or watching movies. Yeah, it's kind of right. weird. Like, I'll go to the gym for like three hours, right? I'll like mm-hmm. do the treadmill, I'll do the weights, I'll do the pool. And then I'll like go and get like a massive pizza. You know what I mean? So I just, you know, I even it all out. You earned it. Yeah. That's literally what I did this morning. I woke up, I went to the gym, I crushed it. And then I came home and I did have pizza for lunch and a nice. beer with my pizza. Yes. <laughs> nice. 
Yes. What kind of beer? Um, actually, it's really weird. It's light sky version okay. of Blue Moon. I think they're yeah. trying to compete with the seltzer industry because it's in that tall, thin can. Oh, I've okay. seen that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I've never done that. Okay. Okay. Well, that sounds like a pretty great Saturday. And then you get to come, you know, talk Legally Blonde with us today. So mm-hmm. hopefully yep. that, you know, continues the goodness. Okay. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So let's jump in. All so, right. So, uh, yeah, we watched this again yesterday. I think we've watched it many, many times. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, this came out, we were saying in 2001, and I was actually in graduate school in 2001. Right. And John was actually like a low-level college teacher in 2001. Yep. So we kind of have an L and Emmett situation. Right. Oh, you so do. (laughs) I mean, he wasn't my teacher or a teacher for any of my classes, but we did meet around that time. So um, we met in 2001 in the summer. So like a month after this movie came out, which is crazy. And it's funny because I don't think of this movie as being that old. No, I don't either. I mean, it's it's so weird because like at the time that this came out, like July 2001, it was back when I used to have a theater company and I never had any downtime. I had like three or four jobs at the same time. So like I would rarely get to go to the movies, which is so weird for me because I'm an addict. Yeah. Um, yeah. I made up for it later, but yeah, I mean, I think That's like, true. I this... didn't see this at the theater either because I was in grad school and I was busy all the time Yeah, and I joined your theater company around the time this was in theaters. That's so crazy. So I didn't have any time to go to movies, do anything. I was just studying like all the time, but wow. it's fun because I really like it and it does have like a lasting quality. Like I'm, I will say a couple of things seem a little bit dated, but honestly, this type of movie can often be like so topical that it does kind of wane with age, but I don't think this happened here. No, no. I mean, it's just like what I thought was crazy watching it this time is like, okay, so like I got really deep here. Okay. Looking at the opening, (laughs) I went back, I watched the first 15 minutes again. I feel really weird because I'm like this guy saying how it is with a, a female driven movie. So forgive me, correct me, please. But this is what I got. So we open it up, okay, and we have the titles that kind of reminded me of Barbie, okay? And the first thing that we see is we see Elle brushing her hair. And when I think of Barbie dolls, I think of the brush, and I think of brushing the hair. You know, like I ended up in situations when I was younger where I hung out with a lot of girls, and they had Barbies. And so, like, I made the most of them. I loved the Corvette. You know, I've done the brushing. You know what I mean? I've been there. So I was like, okay, all right, Barbie, I get it. So we go from that, and then we go to, like, the the bedazzled envelope that Elle's going to get that someone is preparing for her. So we intercut between Elle getting ready, okay, and it's showing you all these things that are very Barbie-esque about her. And then we see the person coming to deliver the envelope, which is so interesting, okay? Because this kind of sets up the entire movie for us, you know, because when this person is coming to deliver the letter, she's driving through campus, okay? And she sees a bunch of different people. And then she sees, like, these dudes with no shirts on, like, kind of (laughs) wrestling or something in the front yard, being total meatheads, like, oh! Boneheads. All the way, right? And it's just like, you know, she kind of smiles and, and drives on. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is kind of like the movie. Like every single guy that we meet in the movie is just like these dudes in the yeah. front yard. Except for Emmett. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I exactly. Mean, yeah. 
And I think that it's really funny because, yeah, the guys don't also have to work very hard. No. Whereas we're seeing, you know, the first thing we see with Elle is like she's going to all this trouble to get ready mm-hmm. for this date. And then we just see a bunch of guys just tooling around <laughs> all the time. And they're not, yeah. they don't seem to have to work very hard to kind of be, you know, cool and get girls. No, they don't have to do anything. They're just not even attractive. Like, a lot of these guys are just kind of, you know, bony, white, fish belly guys or something. I don't know what they're doing. But they're totally. getting chicks, I guess. Well, when Warner oh. shows up. Well, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, I I was just going to say, yes, totally, everything is checking out. <laughs> okay. Well, it's just like, well, and then, like, Warner shows up, right, at the house. Like, we've had this, like, massive buildup to Warner, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. Okay, and then he's like fucking d-bag of the year it's the middle of the night and he comes in wearing sunglasses like what is he a vampire <laughs> yeah. like Side with his hair all slicked back yeah. oh god this yeah. is actually the first time that i realized that this guy is the guy from vampire diaries oh my god that played the teacher <laughs> alaric i think look at you so i was like watching this and i'm like is that the guy from vampire diaries i mean i've seen this movie so many times but yeah. i never less than until today of course he was not a vampire in vampire diaries but it made me think of that when you said it i had a really weird like oh this person from that thing happened to me this week too because i watched pleasantville last weekend which is another yeah another comfort movie um that has reese witherspoon in it (laughs) and then it's weird because i was binging godless at the same time which is on netflix and when i was watching pleasantville the guy with the blonde hair I was like, who is this character? He looks so familiar, and he's in Godless. Looks totally different, but I recognized him. And it was just this weird thing, and then I watched Legally Blonde, where all the things I've been watching have all connected to one another. Isn't that funny? Like, I love I, that. that happens to me all the time, and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think that a good question would be, because everybody, I think, probably figured out that when we have a guest, we let the guest kind of drive the bus with what the movie's going to be. Mm-hmm. So what actually made you pick Legally Blonde? Um, I mean, honestly, like, as far as comfort viewing goes, like, everything I do, everything I watch is usually because I'm trying to just be comfortable. And so I usually go back to the same things that I love over and over and over again, just in general. Like, if it's been a couple of years since I've watched The O.C., I need to go back and watch it, that kind of thing. And so Legally Blonde is just one of those movies that I've just seen over and over and over again. Because when I was little, it was always on TV. It was one of those movies that's always on cable, you know, so you can watch it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and just even as an adult, I've seen it so many times, and it just kind of always hits in new ways. And so when I was trying to think of all of the comfort movies that I love, this one just has, like, all of the most comfortable qualities to me. It's funny. Um, I love the main character. She's like an idol. Um, And so it kind of is just the epitome of comfort films to me. Yeah, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me, too. And the funny thing is, like, I think a lot of people would instantly write this off as being, like, you know, a simple kind of just chick flick. But Mm -hmm. I've watched it enough times that I really get that that's not the case. Like, there are so many layers in this. Yeah. There's so many layers. I hope we get to all of them. It is so much deeper than that. And I think it's also so funny, too. 
Um, yeah. Even in addition to having some deeper elements of what a female relationship looks like and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, well, we have, you know, I think that the Paulette um, L relationship is one of my favorite things in mm. this movie because mm -hmm. Jennifer Coolidge, first of all, is a freaking national treasure. Yeah. Absolutely. I love her. We actually saw her one time in yeah. uh, Echo Park. We were like having coffee with a couple people from Worcester, actually, who were visiting. <laughs> it all ties together. Wait, is Echo Park in Worcester? Uh, no, Echo Park is in LA. So oh, okay. um, two people, it goes all the way back to the thing that we were doing with Danny, um, because it was Alana and Cameron, I think. Yes, yes. Who were in Danny Zelliger's Danny in the Deep Blue Sea play that he yep. did. They were both out here, and we went to have coffee with them, and Jennifer Coolidge, like, walked into the restaurant while we were there, and I was just like, what? Like, oh my god. She's awesome. Um, She's I love brilliant. her. I became mildly obsessed with her, not only for this film, but she's in a Cinderella story as well. And, like, mm. I was able to, like, um, imitate her voice really well. Ooh. And that was kind of one of my superpowers, like, in high school. Okay. I almost debated telling you both that because I'm not sure if I can, like, do it, but maybe I'll be able to. <laughs> oh, we would love that. I think that's – I actually was thinking when you were talking – that just your natural voice by itself almost has a Jennifer Coolidge ness to it. Oh my goodness! What what do you what about it? What about my voice makes you think? I think that? I think because it's just it's like a little bit higher and like just the the timbre of how you talk, like the rhythm hmm. is kind of Coolidgey. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you're a very funny person, and like yeah. when you talk, you naturally have like a great rhythm. You know, it's <laughs> like this happens to George. It happens to like me. It happens to a bunch of people I know. Like. I will say something that is not funny. Like I will be like, I have to go to the store. And then like everybody, <laughs> right. And then everyone like falls over laughing. You're like, Oh, John, you're so funny. You're so good. And I'm like, what did I do? So <laughs> I think it's like, I think it's like that. It's just a natural funniness kind of thing. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe you've imitated her enough that you kind of took it on a little bit or something. Because I kind it's, of see it. It's probably true because I feel like, when you do a really good impression of a character, you do leave yourself. You are in yeah. a trance and you are that person. And so I, I, I have been doing it all week long just to see if I can still do it. And I ooh, probably ooh. have just morphed into Jennifer Coolidge. That's this great. Week. <laughs> oh my God. You could do a lot worse. I mean, God, is she the funniest person? Like, and it's, yeah. it's everything about her because it's her face, like what she does with her face. You know, the way they had her dress and her hair mm -hmm. with, like, the crazy mm -hmm. curls all over it and different weird spots. And, and the, the crop denim with the flowers. <laughs> yeah. So good. Yeah, she had, like, a printed denim skirt on at one point. And when she's so trying classy. to do the bend and snap and she oh, just, yeah. like, belts the guy in the head. I mean, I just yeah. died. It's so funny. I felt like I was Jennifer Coolidge because I totally, totally would try to do something oh, yeah. slick like that. <laughs> And just oh. totally hit someone in the face like a moron. Like, I am the biggest clutch, you know. I could totally see me doing that. I can see that. you doing that, too. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. can. But also, yeah. like, she had that dog. Oh, the, her yes. Dog, dog. Rufus. Rufus. Oh, I love him. It's actually a girl named Lily, because we saw the credits. Rufus right. is actually oh. Lily. I love that dog. I love all the dogs. I mean, Bruiser, Bruiser. is phenomenal. His little tie? Yes. 
Mm-hmm. I love his little oh, sweater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, one of my favorite lines from the movies is um, when they're sitting at Harvard and they're all doing their intros and Elle's <laughs> intro is, hi, I'm Elle Woods and this is Bruiser Woods. We're both Gemini vegetarians. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that too. So good. I my, I just adored it when she was like rolling up to Harvard and she mm-hmm. had him in the little pink sweater with an H on it. Mm. It was my favorite part mm-hmm. with Bruiser. And yes. I, it's funny because the second movie is just all about Bruiser. Yeah. But this movie. Did you watch that? We did. Oh, we yeah. did. Okay. You'll have to tell me about it because. I actually like blacked out that that was even a thing until like two <laughs> days ago, and so I I actually rented on Amazon legally blonde because I don't own it, but I okay. I was like I need to rewatch this right now, <laughs> and then legally blonde red white and blonde is free, so I was like let me oh. dabble in this right, and I watched the first ten minutes of it and I was like oh god this is so horrible, <laughs> but I gotta know. I gotta know if there's any redeeming qualities. <laughs> well, it it is like definitely not the movie that the first movie is. Mm. I mean, we watched it again recently too, and we were kind of surprised at what like a drop it is. And it's not right. Reese Witherspoon though, because Reese Witherspoon is still like amazing. Mm-hmm. She's perfect right. in this character. Like, I mm-hmm. that's one thing I do have to say. Like, I don't think that this movie could exist without Reese mm-hmm. Witherspoon because if you try to think about somebody else doing the part I can't no. and, you know I know they've done a musical of it and it was successful so yeah. I'm sure like other people can play this but mm-hmm. she just defined who Elle Woods is like, yeah for sure. she Reese Witherspoon gives me perfectionist vibes and mm. like it's so obvious in this role like she does her part so well i feel like probably one of the best scenes of that is when she actually goes to harvard and she's wearing the drab outfit because she's going to class and she wants to fit in and she walks right past warner and she pretends like she didn't see him oh it's so normal no i go here like i feel like that scene where she's like harvard law school like i go here that was like the perfect representation of just her doing this role so so well i agree yeah and that's the iconic what like it's hard <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh-huh. and that's reese weatherspoon kind of like oh god reese weatherspoon you totally define the character of elwood's what like it's hard um even yeah. though she put <laughs> so much work into it and you yes. can tell well, what I like about it is the way that they continually subvert your expectations in this film. Yeah. This yeah. is what I one of the things that, that I really love is because, you know, we have it set up that, you know, she knows fashion, you know, and she likes to go out. And, you know, the, the very beginning of the film is they're playing that song Perfect Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked yes. about this earlier. <laughs> yes. and, and like, you know, the perfect day is her getting ready to go out with the guy yeah and go shopping and like at the and that's one thing i really love about this is like they actually revisit that song at the end of the movie Mm -hmm. and we see that her definition kind of of a perfect day is totally changed yeah like at the Mm -hmm. beginning the perfect day is going shopping with her friends spending a ton of time getting ready for a date with warner um and something that you pointed out that was really interesting and i think you're right is that at the beginning she's really not defining herself by anything except what he wants her to be yes she's spending all this time getting ready so that she can be perfect for him 
Whereas at the end, her perfect day, yes, Emmett, her new boyfriend, is involved in the perfect day, mm-hmm. but it doesn't revolve around him. It's mm-hmm. the perfect day because she's graduating from law school. She got chosen to speak by her class. Yep. And, you know, yes, she's in a great relationship and the guy is going to propose, but I get the feeling that she doesn't know that. Whereas mm-hmm. with Warner, it was like this whole buildup that she thought was going to happen. Yeah. It was just like everything yeah. was based around the guy. And it will, and it was like, you can see that in the dress shop at the beginning because she's wearing the blue dress and she's like, okay, I think I'm going to do this tonight. And one of her friends says, wait, why aren't you going to wear your signature color? You know, and she has the pink and she's like, no. And it's just like another example of her just trying to be what this guy wants. Right. And what I love about it, it you know, is the salesman, the sales lady comes over who is not blonde and neither is the other sales lady. <laughs> Evil brunettes way. abound. Right. They, <laughs> they come over and then they try to like, you know, screw her over with a dress. Trick it's her. like, I love dumb blondes with daddy's credit card. And like she pulls like the old tag off, tries to sell her an old dress as new. And then Elle is so smart. She's like a lawyer because she asks all these questions just like a lawyer would do to get you. And she pins that lady down and and she realizes, you know, she can't be taken advantage of. She's not just another dumb blonde. And I love that because we see that that's already who Elle is. And the movie is kind of a journey of her figuring that out because like we kind of already get it. Mm hmm. And it's really funny because it's also, um, and I think this is something that I really like about girl movies from like the certain era, is that it's like women finding out that they can be awesome by being women. So it's like, you know, the skills that she has that she uses throughout the movie are based on the fact that she is a girly girl Mm -hmm. and that's good you know it's turned into a positive oh absolutely yeah like um i kind of talking about warner you kind of made me like think of this scene where they're all celebrating and helping her get ready to go on this date or whatever and it's almost like the whole sorority is dating warner like all of these big things that she's doing like she just has this posse behind her and that is so like female cooperation like those are such amazing feminine qualities and so i kind of just feel like Elle has like all of the best female qualities that you could have like she's so smart she's funny she's sweet she's friendly to other women they all lift each other up um yeah i i I feel like that's one of the reasons that makes her so awesome and so lovable is that she is just a really sweet girl even though you're kind of supposed to take her as this kind of ditzy person yeah, and I I fully agree. I think that, you know, this whole thing is like a lesson that you can't judge a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole thing with her is that the experiences that she has had that may seem like, you know, oh, she's so girly and, and so airheaded or whatever, are actually the things that make her strong. Yes, you. that's what I was trying to, okay, you reminded me, when she does the video essay and like, Everything, all of the reasons she's proving she's good for Harvard are all of these things that are in these, like, girly contexts. So her legal jargon is someone (laughs) whistles at her and she's like, I object. Or she's like, I remember all of these facts. And her friend's like, what happened in Days of Our Lives the other day? And she could, like, recite everything. And so it's like, these are all good things. Like, these are great skills and talents that you have, but you're just applying them in these unconventional, like, no way would these 
dumb boneheads at Harvard be applying their skills in those ways. Yeah, I love that. I, I really like that in this because, um, and also at the same time, she is using her looks to kind of get what she wants too. Um, because, you know, it's all these old white dudes are going to be deciding yeah. if she gets mm-hmm. in or not. And of course, when they're watching the video, all of them, except for like the main guy, are like clearly just interested in the fact that she's in a bikini. And we have to yeah. remember, like, <laughs> Elle is smart and she wore that on purpose, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like she knew yeah. that that would help her get ahead. I mean, and mm-hmm. I think that as women, you know, it's it's easy to, like, look down on that kind of a choice. But at the same time, when you're a woman, sometimes you don't have the advantages in, a, in the same way that somebody else might, you know. Mm-hmm. And that is one thing I kind of wanted to, like, put a little hat on here is that Elle does have a lot of privilege. And that was the thing that I kind of maybe didn't think about until this time. You know, mm-hmm. she already has tons of money, and part of the reason that she's getting into Harvard is because she can pay for it. I mean, like, mm-hmm. who can do that? I can tell you right. how much Harvard cost at that time, and it was a lot. <laughs> so. Yeah, isn't it kind of um, hilarious in a sad way when all of those men are evaluating her video essay, and they're, like, making all these arguments of, like, oh, she has all these extracurriculars. It was in a Ricky Martin music video or she does yes. all these cool things. And one of them says, what is it? He's like, oh, they're like, her background is in fashion. And then one of them's like, but we've never had that before. And we always strive for diversity. It's like, Elle Woods <laughs> is not going to bring diversity to Harvard no. University right now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the same thing on like diversity. What? Why? Because I was she's like, is blonde? this like a joke? Yeah. <laughs> well, and then later on, she says something like that she's been discriminated against because she's a blonde. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, Emmett is like, uh, no. <laughs> I mean, right, right. This is what I do love about Emmett, too, is that he's just like, um, no, might want to check yourself on that one. Um, mm-hmm. and But then he makes a joke out of it and says, do you think I could get away with being blonde? And mm-hmm. she's like, no. <laughs> but, you know, she... She, I think, uses her privilege. She ends up using her privilege in a positive way. So I think that that's mm-hmm. kind of what ends up taking care of that part of it for me. Because at first I was just like, oh, because, I mean, even recently we had that thing in the news of Kim Kardashian telling everybody they just need to work, you know, and she can't find anybody who works hard. And I'm like, honey, mm-hmm. no. Oh, honey. Lots of people are working hard and <laughs> yeah. they don't have the same outcomes as you. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not taking away that she thinks she's working hard or that she could be working hard, but it's not mm. the same as like slinging fried chicken, like, you know, KFC or, you mm. know, busting your butt off to even make minimum wage and, and get along in the world. So, mm. you know, we see people who have privilege like that who sometimes don't get it. But the nice thing with Elle is that I think she does kind of get it. She uses her privilege to help Paulette, who is clearly an underprivileged kind of a person. Um, And, you know, she also chooses the right thing in a lot of other cases, too. Like with Enid Wexler, you know, Mm -hmm. when Enid Wexler is like, you know, saying, what are you going to call me, a dyke or something? She's like, I don't use that word. You know, she's like, I wouldn't do that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, she is like this rich blonde girl who's had a lot of opportunity that other people haven't. But I think they do a good job contrasting that with someone like Warner, 
who really hasn't done anything to get where he is. Yeah, we find out he's waitlisted. We find out, you know, a phone call had to be made. Yeah, I mean, Uh that guy is just a turd. And I love at the very end, it's just like, yeah, he graduated. He had no job offers. (laughs) You know, it's Mm -hmm. just like you really like it. I mean, one of the big themes in this movie is like, well, I'm, I'm going to address the, the thing that you were saying right now, because about an hour and four minutes in, I looked at the time. I was like, oh, my God, this sums it up. Right after yeah. that, they've gone to the spa. Emmett and Elle have gone to the spa and they had their interview. OK, Elle is saying that she doesn't trust the person they just interviewed because of her hair. And it's <laughs> and he's like, what? You don't trust icky brown hair. <laughs> there you go. That's it. <laughs> And, and and she's like, he's like, what? You don't trust her because she's blonde? You know, something like. Because she's a brunette. Yes. Oh, thank Jesus. Thank you. So, yeah, <laughs> Emmett actually says, he's like, hey, you know, why don't you use all of the power that you have and channel it to do something good? And I was like, wow. I mean, that is that is the entire movie because (laughs) she helps so many people in the film. Well, and it's really funny Mm -hmm. because we had literally paused the movie like three minutes before that because I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm just realizing that Elle has all these privileges and, you know, Mm -hmm. all the stuff. And and does that make me like like the character less or what? You know, I was like having all these thoughts. And then what I came what we came to the conclusion of was, yes, but she like uses all these things for to do good things in the world yeah and to give back to people and like literally three minutes later like emmett says that like out loud yeah. we're like oh okay we're good synchronicity <laughs> she just has like a twinkle in her eyes like that's why i love l she's just like so good natured because mm-hmm. like i don't know i kind of um i didn't really like hang out with sorority girls in college my cousin is a sorority girl and she's also a very amazing awesome person um but like the sorority girl stereotype is kind of a negative one but like Elle is just so much more than that and when you're talking about her helping Paulette that's a really good example because they're laughing they have the dogs in the car and the way that Elle's eyes sparkle when she looks at Paulette so happy that she has the dog I'm like this Elle has such a good heart she has such a heart of gold and I feel like that's kind of like part of her power it is and like she brings that to to bear with like Brooke as well like when Mm -hmm. she's you know in the in the murder case which is kind of like the big second half of the movie is that you know this person Brooke who was a Delta News sorority sister before um uh Elle joined the, the sorority She's been accused of murder and Elle ends up working on the case as like a law kind of associate or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's all about finding a way to, you know, prove her innocent while at the same time protecting her alibi, which she really wants to do. So I think that that was really cool. And it's so L, you know, to mm-hmm. want to do everything just right and also make it you know perfect in every way she is like little miss perfect but in a way that it isn't annoying it's just there's this funny quality about her throughout the entire movie of like oh she is at like a moment's notice extremely cunning and smart but then she's also completely oblivious too and i feel like that's kind of like the comedic nature of the movie and she's not really real um because even like when she pulls up to harvard and she's feeding bruiser she gives him a water bowl that's just like the craziest thing of like 
gosh, she has to know. She has to know that showing up with a truck full of stuff for a dorm room is insane, but she doesn't. It's about like her perfectionist tendency and just, you know, how she is a hundred percent herself. Yes. And I think that's something I always admire in someone, even if I don't particularly like their qualities if yeah. they are like a hundred percent, that's who they are. Mm-hmm. I kind of can have yes. some admiration for that, and and that's how I feel about L. Like she is who right. she is, and there's not really a compromise there. Like her whole point at the beginning, you know, the first half of the movie is like to get Warner back, and so she's like, I'm going to become this totally different person so I can get him back because he wants somebody serious, and I'm going to be serious. Yeah. But she doesn't really change who she is. She just takes all of the things that make her who she is and applies it to a different um, goal. And it works mm-hmm. out because she's like still 100% committed to still being her herself. Well, that's that's what we see is like because at the beginning we see what she's interested in. We see the things that that she likes with her friends. And and one of the things going back to her to her video, to her admission video, is she has, you know, that one part where she's at the head of the boardroom table being the president of the sorority. And as they talk about, it's like, you know, she really knows her soap operas. And this looks like a soap opera scene. Like this would be like this very important scene. And it's just like, she nails it with that. Except it's about toilet paper. (laughs) That's why it's so good. (laughs) It flips it on its head. And then it's like the fact that we actually talk about soap operas, you know, in it, it it really is, is aware of that humor. And I love it, but she, right. And she has all of these leadership qualities and it's like, she lets herself grow. She lets herself find new things. And, And what's funny is, Warner is a complete prick, right? And he really messes up her life at the time. But the good thing about this terrible human is it gets her to find in the end who she really is. And she is like this superhero because she finds, you know, every step of the way that by actually pursuing law, she can help every single person that she knows. It starts with Paulette. When they go to like her terrible, is it is it boyfriend or ex-husband? I don't remember who has the dog. Yeah. And, and she like, you know, manages to say, I have, you know, this information. I bring up this statute. So we need to take the dog and you need to be quiet. And it's wonderful. Yeah. And it's like, and then we just continue on with that. Yeah. And she keeps helping people and, you know, it's all on her own terms, which yes. I, I like. Yeah, and she doesn't sacrifice anything about who she is because she is still fun. She is still bubbly and she doesn't let people get her down. Even when, you know, she does have moments where she gets really hurt, like that first moment in class yeah. when she doesn't have the assignment prepared. And then the professor asks Vivian, you know, oh, what do you think? Do you think that this is okay? No. Do you think we should send her out of class? Yes. And like that really hurts, but she doesn't stay down. She's back up and she's stronger than before. Yeah. I mean, it just makes her recommit to what she's doing. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, she's very persistent um, as a person. And I think that's really cool. And she's very civil too. Even with these people that are terrible to her, she's so cool that in the end it says Vivian becomes her best friend. Yeah. Yes. And (laughs) 
and and Vivian is such a jerk (laughs) oh exactly that's that's the funny thing about the Vivian L dichotomy is that (laughs) they're actually both kind of like at the beginning of the movie the worst version of themselves because they're both just in pursuit of Warner and the ring oh wow and I feel like what that really stood out to me at Vivian's party because like I don't know about you guys, but obviously Vivian was painted to kind of be this evil person. So I hated her like a ton. (laughs) And it took me until I was a little bit older to kind of see characters through a new light. But I totally hated her. And so I think it's because she's just really mean. But the other day when I was watching it back, I kind of like I saw something in a new light. And it was like this break of character at her party where, you know, she she tells Elle it's a costume party. It's not. Elle obviously humiliates herself. And then Vivian goes, nice costume or something like that. And Elle says her epic line, oh, I love your costume too. But when I try, when I dress like a frigid bitch, I try not to look so constipated. And then <laughs> Vivian's character like completely breaks like at that moment because she's like all angry. And her friend goes, don't worry, honey, you have the ring. And then she holds out her ring and they both look at it and sigh. And I'm like, wait, that's supposed to be Elle and her sorority sisters. That's not supposed to be this Vivian character that I've been presented with this movie. And so at that moment, I kind of feel like um, Vivian and Elle are really kind of the worst version of themselves, which is what makes it so much better when they have that scene later on where they bond over douchey bonehead Warner um, (laughs) because they're both like being kind of like, um, I guess, bad female stereotypes at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. No, I think that's such a good point. That's excellent. I freaking love that because yeah, that is all they are. That's all they actually, they care about at the beginning is getting Warner back, but they're both like, you know, miles above him as far as, intelligence and capability and achievement and you know that was like the thing when Vivian is the one that tells her that that Warner had been waitlisted and had his dad had to make a phone call and that was like such a big deal in my head because this whole time he's been telling her that like you know she's not smart enough and he literally will say like oh but you're not smart honey or whatever and she's like (laughs) am I sniffing glue? Like, are we on the, yeah. aren't we in the same school? Like, and she did, you know, she passed the same tests to get there. She did all the things that he supposedly did to get into law school too. And then after the fact, we find out actually she did more to get into school because mm-hmm. she made it in on her own merit without having to have, you know, somebody call in a favor. So she's actually better than him, regardless of how many times he tries to undercut her. And Vivian is the same. She earned her spot. Oh, that line. Am I on glue or do we not get accepted into the same school? When I was younger, I couldn't, I didn't get that. I actually didn't get that until I watched it like this week. Cause like, there's just some things that go over my head. And when I was little trying to make sense of that line, I thought she was abbreviating the phrase, I'm rubber, your glue, whatever you say bounces off of me. Like, I thought it was some type of like, come at him, like insult or diss or something. But I'm like, oh, okay. She's just alluding to the fact that like, am I on drugs or, yeah. <laughs> but I never, never got that. I didn't think sniffing glue was as much of a thing anymore. I, I actually thought that it was kind of, 
dated when she said it in this because when I think about that, I think about like the Ramones. Same. Thank you. Yeah, there's okay. like a Ramones song called like Now I Wanna Sniff Some Glue and that was like the seventies mm-hmm. or whatever. People were like getting high on, you know, fumes or whatever. But <laughs> I think by the time like the late nineties came around there was more real drugs that people were doing <laughs> than glue. Yeah, because when I saw that I, I had no idea. I didn't even consider glue in the context of drugs. So her her sentence made no sense to me. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, but I I don't know, I love that also because this is kind of the first time where she kind of snaps back on Warner. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously when he says that he wants to break up when she thinks that they're about to get engaged, she's hurt. But I don't feel that it was, you know, she just has an emotional reaction at that point. She's not rational enough to really think it through and reason it through. But later at this point, she is like reasoning. She's like able to think, you know, without the emotion and say, you know, not that she doesn't have it. She's still pissed and I don't blame her, mm. but she's able to say like, dude, you keep telling me that I'm not good enough for you and I'm better than you. And that's something that she realizes. And that's what one of the most like triumphant parts of the movie is when she gets um, one of those four spots with Callahan to work on a real case and, you know, it's Warner and Vivian and then Enid Wexler, of course. <laughs> I keep talking about Enid Wexler. I actually like her. Me too. And Elle. <laughs> and Elle is, like, so freaking psyched that she got the slot. And it's such a big moment for her. And she, like, goes over to him and is like, Warner, remember those four amazing hours we spent in that hot tub? And he's like, yeah and she's like this is so much better than that and i was just like yeah (laughs) and you know of course that also drives a wedge with him and vivian which is hilarious too so yep let me okay i can build on this this is all right so this is really good so here's another theme in the movie that i was just thinking about when you said it there is this constant theme throughout with the exception of emmett and I, i guess Elle's dad men have no principles when Elle gets told the alibi, right, about the liposuction, she promises that she will not talk about it. And then she goes, and then the teacher is like, and Callahan is like, well, what's the alibi? And she's like, I, I said I wouldn't, you know, say that. And everybody gives her a lot of static about well, it. All the guys give her a lot of static. Yes. Vivian says nothing, but she's kind of in the background. Like, no, of course you're not going to tell him. And when Warner's like, think about yourself. Right. She's like, no. I mean, she like hates it. And that was really a moment where I feel like Vivian starts to come into her own. And of course she backslides a little bit. Um, And this actually ties into this too, because it, um, there's like that sexual harassment scene Mm -hmm. with Callahan. Yeah. So basically Elle has like gone out of her way, proving herself over and over in this case. This is at the point where they're actually in the courtroom and she has like this big intuitive realization that changes the tide of the case toward them. Mm-hmm. And Callahan had thought, you know, that that wasn't important, but he was wrong. And then he kind of like puts his hand on her leg and is like, you need to think about where your career is going. And, you know, that is very destructive to Elle because she has been in a position where you know, she has only gotten things a lot of times because of the way she looks or whatever. And 
this is something she's actually worked really hard on and she feels like she's really stretched herself and she was getting recognition for it. And then we have this moment where she feels like all the recognition means nothing because it was really just because this guy liked the way she looked. And then compounding that is the fact that Vivian sees it and assumes the worst of L in that moment rather than Callahan which is really upsetting. Like I felt really upset on, on Elle's behalf because I think, you know, 99% of women have probably had a situation like what Elle had. And the situation itself is bad enough when you're sexually harassed, but then when people don't believe you on top of it, it makes it so much worse. And they Mm -hmm. dramatize that in a really good way here because I certainly felt it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was there like, oof. It it was heartbreaking when Vivian didn't, when Vivian, like, just assumed that Elle was, like, actively participating in that because they had made so much progress. They were bonding. They were coming together. And then that happens. But then when she realizes what actually happened when she's with Emmett and Brooke, um, and she immediately goes, oh, God, I made such a terrible mistake. Um, I actually like read that there was an alternate ending that like mm. showed more of, and they didn't go with it, but it was going to be the movie ends in the courthouse with Emmett and Elle kissing. And then mm. there was going to be a flash over to Vivian and Elle like partnering together at a law firm. And mm. so the movie was going to end like that. We don't really see like the true like collaboration of their friendship or what that actually looks like in Legally Blonde. We just know that they're best friends, and I think that's enough. Vivian and Elle being friends is just so cool because their friendship is just so much deeper. And it obviously kind of had to go through all of those challenges that unfortunately, like, um, I feel like women kind of are taught to be competitive with other women, to get men or to, you know, do all these things. And so their friendship is just so important and their progression together to me is so amazing because even though I do value and respect that Elle is this sorority girl and they're communal and they all have each other's backs, like their friendships are just kind of, there's an infrastructure for that in the sorority and there isn't much substance to it. Um, Even though they're there for each other and they helped her study for the LSAT and stuff like that, but Vivian and Elle's friendship just has more substance and there was no infrastructure putting them together. They kind of just had to overcome um, a lot of those negative ways that women can behave in order to be friends. That's such an amazingly brilliant point. I think that we have multiple instances here where we see different types of female friendship. And I think your point is like 100% spot on because we were talking about those sorority friends that she has. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's kind of different stages of their friendship throughout. And one thing that I'm not sure how I feel about is when they show up at the courtroom later. Because, you know, at the beginning, they're very shallow. Those, Those friends are quite shallow. They're really, you know, focused on the shopping, the partying, the getting engaged, the guys, you know, that's the things that they care about. And although they do have a little bit of an undercutting moment where (laughs) they're getting their nails done and the one friend starts speaking, I believe, Vietnamese or whatever. And 
in the nail salon with the nail lady. So it's like she's smarter than she like lets on, I guess. Well, that see, I found that confusing because I thought we were following like the same type of thing as Elle, like with the instance with the with the dress and she was on top of it. And then, you know, we're in the nail salon. They're like, oh, she hasn't conditioned her hair in a week. You know, her, her nails are chipped. We're, we're going down the shallow route. And then, yes, you're like, oh, wow, they this person knows another language. You're like, great. But then it's like we kind of go backwards again. Yeah. Because they when they're coming into yeah. the room, what what is the? She's like, I have a high metabolism. Right. <laughs> and the, the oh right. <laughs> the darker haired girl is like, it's metabolism. And then they go in and talk about the LSATs, and she's like, oh yeah, my cousin had that. She had a rash, you know, whatever. <laughs> and so she's kind of a dumbass again. But <laughs> like, and then we have like, and I actually have experienced sort of like this kind of a thing where. You know, once Elle is in Boston, she's at Harvard, she's studying really hard, and she's feeling horribly down because everybody's treating her like garbage, which honestly, I think we can guess is probably the first time that's happened. Like, Elle is not used to being treated like crap, and she's like, what do I do? Like, you know, she has to be resilient and persistent to overcome it, which of course she does because she has a lot of strength inside. But at the same time, it's really difficult and she doesn't have the emotional support of the sorority that Mm. she had before. So she calls her friends and they just kind of don't have any sense of what her life is like now. And it felt like, you know, she had moved on from them. And then they show up in the courtroom scene at the end and they are like exactly the same kind of ridiculous, silly people that they always were. And L, I think, I think we're supposed to say, oh, but they're here to support her. But I feel like there was even a minute where Reese Witherspoon like had this expression like of being a little bit embarrassed yeah, about so their like behavior. But at the same time, I think we're still supposed to think, oh, yeah, but they're friends and, you know, they, you know, have her back. But I'm just not sure that that makes sense to me because. I had a situation where I grew up in Mississippi and I moved to, well, I went to college away. Like most of my high school graduating class went to the junior college that was just a few towns over. So, you know, they still were all together and I went to a different school by myself and had to make all new friends and, you know, had a totally different kind of scenario going on. So when I would try to talk to people, unless we were talking about our past that we shared we didn't really have a lot to discuss and then after college I moved to Massachusetts and went to grad school and I definitely just didn't have as much in common with people anymore so it does feel like you've kind of grown apart and you may still love the people and you know you have the shared past together but you just don't have as much in common anymore and I see that even with you know, certain friends who have a big life change, like they have a baby or they move, you know, um, back home or something like that, that, that kind of makes a different life than what I have. And it makes it harder to relate. And I think that's kind of where we are with Elle is that she's kind of moved on from like that LA kind of lifestyle that she was living where, you know, everybody's all about, you know, parties and events and, socializing and dressing up and doing all this stuff and more like this buckled down serious kind of thing. I I don't know about Elle's two friends from the sorority. Um, I feel like throughout the entire movie, they are just kind of jokes. 
like they don't really add anything to it like they kind of just like like we were talking about that scene in the nail salon where she just starts speaking Vietnamese and it's just mm-hmm. like oh, what? and then like earlier in the movie where um they're they're by the poolside or something and they're like oh you're gonna get the ring tonight I don't remember the exact lines. And one of them just, like, does this, like, oh, um, yeah, the... pose. Wasn't that weird? I just feel like everything they did was just a little bit off. But yeah. I also kind of feel like there are moments like that throughout the entire movie where it's, like, I, I don't know if it's just, like, just aware that it's supposed to be just kind of funny, too. Even though there's, like, this hugely powerful, impactful storyline with Elle's journey. But it right. just kind of has, like, these stupid, doofy moments throughout. Yeah. Well, there definitely are those, too. Like, <laughs> every time that Paulette is interacting with the UPS guy <laughs> is so funny. Because he, like, comes in. And obviously, he, like, really likes her. You know? He always is, like, interested in seeing what she's up to over there in the nail desk or whatever. And she's just, like, so stressed out. Like, I mean, I love Jennifer Coolidge because... She has such a great physicality. It's not just like she sounds funny and she delivers lines funny. I mean, every time the UPS guy comes in, her whole body is just like stiff. Like it's like she just stiffens up and her face is just like, (laughs) and she's like trying to talk to him. It looks like she can't squeeze the words out because she's so tightened up. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just I think that's so funny. But I, I, we were kind of talking about the female friendship thing. And I do think, I love how we see different versions of female friends that you can have. Because she does have these kind of shallow friends at the beginning who just are all about, like, you know, the surface kind of things that Elle is interested in. Got bangs. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's like the big news from back home. Right, right. She got bangs. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she develops this friendship with Paulette. Where, you know, they're very different people. And this isn't like two people that you might immediately expect to become friends. But because Elle does have a good heart and she sees somebody who she really wants to help. um, I think that's where they start becoming friends. And Paulette also helps her too. Uh, And Mm -hmm. then we also have Brooke um, who is a different type of friend as well, kind of similar to that sorority type friend, but they bond over a much more serious situation. And again, Elle kind of sticks her neck out for this person. And then they in turn stick their neck out for her, which I think is really cool. And then, you know, we have Vivian who is a very organic friendship development where they really don't like each other at first. And, you know, they are contentious over Warner, but once they both realize what a dick he is, they kind of can both get past it and see, hey, you know, we actually are pretty similar people. Like Vivian would never at the beginning of this think that she has anything in common with Elle. She thinks they're mm-hmm. polar opposites, but in reality, they're not. They're very similar. No. They've both worked pretty hard, even though they both have a lot of privileges that maybe, you know, other people wouldn't have. They've still worked hard within that framework to get these mm-hmm. positions. And they both end up kind of getting treated like, you know, less than their male colleagues mm-hmm. because they're women. Right. 
you know, because Vivian's mm-hmm. always getting sent for coffee and go get me some plum sauce and mm. whatever. Exactly. I wonder if when she has that moment or she's like, I made a terrible mistake. If she just like is realizing that what she was complaining about how Callahan treated her is like Elle just went through the same thing because that's how she opens up the conversation with Elle. She's like, do you ever notice how Callahan never asked Warner to get him coffee? Mm. And so telling Elle, like, you know, obviously it's because I'm a woman. And there's, like, a moment that happens there, too. You were talking about this a lot earlier of, like, okay, Elle has all these privileges, but do I like her? And, like, there are moments that, like, that happen throughout the movie where I'm like, oh, she said this goofy thing, but do I still like her, too? Like, and I just keep coming back to, yes, I love her, even though she says very silly things. And <laughs> when Vivian walks into her room, she it's, like, another moment where um, they're dishing – dishing on Warner and then oh he doesn't do his laundry and then Elle goes well men are helpless you know that (laughs) and it's like this really silly thing to say because it's so stereotypical it's so limiting but it just has this like goodness to it because it's like how you bond how she bonds with Vivian in that moment (laughs) and um I think another example of that where it's like oh god this silly Elle is where um she finds out that it's Brooke Wyndham her Delta new sister or whatever. And she's talking about how much she loves her. And it's all because Brooke helped her drop a pant size or something <laughs> yes, like that. Yes. And so it's another moment where you're like, Oh, L like, can I still love you? But you do just like, I personally still just continue to love her over and over. Yeah. I have that feeling too. And I had that with that too. Cause she was like, she can help you lose like three pounds in one class. And I'm like, Oh my God, right. you're a freaking stick figure. Please stop. But like, <laughs> right. You know, and and also I actually have that with Brooke as well, because Brooke is like this self-made person, right? Because she's worked really hard and she has this fitness empire. But then her alibi is that she can't tell anyone that she was getting liposuction because then people wouldn't follow her fitness empire anymore because it's not real. And I found that really annoying and less forgivable because I think that that's something that happens a lot nowadays is that we have you know, these celebrities who clearly have like a ton of, you know, they're getting, you know, plastic surgery even sometimes, or they just are doing like crazy makeup or they have somebody dressing them in these specific ways. But then they're saying, oh yeah, you know, I have this body because I work out and I drink flat tummy tea or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, like okay. Like, no, you have it because you have a trainer who's like, you know, Mm -hmm. working with you every minute, you know, and I think that that's really disingenuous. So it's just like, Brooke, you can do better. Come on now. Right. Well, the great thing about Elle, and this is the one thing I wanted to make sure that I said, is that Elle has wonderful karma and all of the great things that she does throughout the movie, you know, come to fruition. Because every single person that she meets and is kind to comes back to help. Yeah. You know, the professor, you know, that, that is very hard on her, mm-hmm. actually builds her up. The one played by Holland Taylor, yes. who is a great actress. So good. Fantastic. Well, and it was really funny because another thing that kind of I felt was really dated here was that the way she really, like, turns the tide in the case is that the pool boy hears her like tapping her foot behind him in the water fountain because he caught in front of her and she was like 
he's gay because he says that I have last season Prada shoes and no man would know that unless they were gay, mm-hmm. which is super like cheese. Yeah. I mean, Cringe like, moment. Okay. Yeah. Very much. Um, and that does, <laughs> that happens to like every time we watch a movie from more than like 10 years ago now, because that's just the way that life was back then. The funny thing to me about that in this is that um, Holland Taylor and Victor Garber are both gay in real life so like you have these two actors who are playing like you know big time like classy lawyers who are both gay even at the same time that you're like this guy's gay and it was a very stereotypical kind of a gay person and his boyfriend and and then the crowd was even worse and I was just like that whole thing yeah like I never really questioned that storyline until recently like the whole thing of like Brooke is with the pool boy like where did that come from like how did that fit into it and how does this make her the murderer that (laughs) never and like who's paying Enrique like is he being paid to say this like right it's none of it is explained whatsoever I mean I'm assuming it's Chutney but does he get in trouble you have to assume right well he loses Chuck because he puts it all out on the line to right to participate in this horrible lie does just chuck get reprimanded for lying i don't know it's we I don't mean, it's know crazy. yeah no. and there i mean could be a I, whole spinoff there could be yeah. i do need more info about this like is chutney paying him off or did chutney promise him that she would give him money after she inherited maybe like i can make right. assumptions but oh my god we haven't even talked about freaking chutney which is by the way linda cardellini yes like in an early role and she's an amazing actress like it's so crazy to see her in this because she's gone Mm -hmm. on to do so much i mean she's Mm -hmm. phenomenal i love her and like everything and i have to say like chutney is kind of a silly character but linda cardellini is still like bringing the acting chops like she manages to cry (laughs) yeah about the mm-hmm. stupidest shit that she's saying on the stand. It's like Law and Order. Mm-hmm. It's like a Law and Order episode. And Allie Larder, who plays Brooke, had the same thing too. Like, yeah. Allie Larder is like talking about getting liposuction and it's gonna, like, she's gonna lose her empire. And she's like fully crying. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how did this woman force herself to cry about that? Like, that's right. good acting. <laughs> like, I'm impressed. Oh, and we did yeah. not talk about the assistant that comes in with Elle when she is appointed the council. Is, is the guy's name Dave? Oh, Dave. Dorky Dave, Dave as he's t- called. Oh, <laughs> him. Yes. Because, <laughs> well, like, she yeah, helps him out. That's, with... that's what you were saying, that, like, it's like her karma. Yeah. Like, every good thing that she does comes back to help her in the end. Mm-hmm. And one of those things is that, you know, she kind of got him a date because people, he's a goober and like women weren't paying attention to him. So she like did this big scene where she's like, you know, saying that he never called her and it's the best night of her life. And, you know, so he ends up getting the girl. Yeah. We assume. That's one of those, another one of those scenes in the movie where I kind of like can laugh about it all, even though it's so stupid. And it's what makes it to me such a funny comedy because the girl is saying to dorky david or whatever a girl like me would never date a guy like you like how heavy-handed and so absurd is that and then enters l which like i don't know if that would work in real life like just saying that he gave you the most pleasure like he's just a person who could do that for everyone i guess and the girl's like (laughs) 
so what are you doing? And like, it works somehow. It's all so silly. It is silly. I mean, it's very like, I don't know. I think it's like very simple, but it, it's still funny. Like, I, I like that too. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I feel like when you're writing a movie sometimes, like, like I've written so many movies, but no, you have, and I've written other things. I've written, I mean. That sometimes you have, like, a problem in your plot or whatever, where you're just like, how am I going to get past this? And sometimes the simplest way is just to do something like that, and then your problem is solved. Like, you know, you're just like. Well, nobody's really going to question this too much, so I'll just go with it. Right. And, you know, it still fits in with, like, Elle, because it's like she's just instantly ready to help somebody at at the drop of a hat. And, again, like, he shows up to help her um, to make sure that she can take over the case, because he's, like, got the statue that he found in this law book. And, yeah, I, I love that about it, because it just shows you that L is so good. It's like what you said before. She's so good natured and good hearted and it all pays off in the end, but that's not why she did it, but it still works. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And it's, this is like one of the weirdest points I think. So I, I watched the credits all the way through, which I always do. And the, the last song that they play in the credits, I'm going to paraphrase, but the very last line that we see in the credits is uh, it, th- this person sings, you don't need someone to tell you that you look beautiful. And it's like, once again, it, it's like, it's just talking about believing in yourself, you know, which is what Elle is talking about in her speech at the end. Yeah. It's just about like, finding yourself and having like the, the, the faith to like follow what you feel. And I think that's like, for me, like the biggest thing in this to find like this courage to say, okay, this is me. Yeah. And like, you know, and it also gives people the confidence to say, you know, no matter what it is that you want to do, if you really want to do it, you could do it. Yeah. And yeah, it's like everybody, I think that there's a real celebration in this movie of everyone's differences and uniqueness. And, you know, Elle is kind of the one that's highlighted and she's the only person who can be Elle. You know, nobody else can just copy what she does and be successful in the same way that Paulette is just Paulette. And her life is a lot different. Her personality is a lot different. But the more she's just true to being her, which is like a sweet person who, you know, builds people up. Like Paulette is always building Elle up and saying, you know, how great she is and, you know, seeing the good in somebody. And all she wants to have is kind of a simple life where she kind of does her work and she has love with someone And she gets that at the end, you know, she's married to the UPS guy and they're going to have a baby, you know, and it's really meaningful to me that this movie is so accepting of everyone's uniqueness, even like this dorky guy, David, you know, his dorkiness works out, you know, to be an important thing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. I also think we haven't talked enough about Emmett. No, we haven't. Because I I mean, it's Luke Wilson who we like and everything. Yeah. I mean, Idiocracy Mm -hmm. is probably another one of my favorite 
frighteningly accurate movies. So good. <laughs> um, and, you know, he was also in Old School and just a bunch of other stuff. And I really like Luke Wilson because he has kind of like this really down-to-earth kind of quality. Mm-hmm. And as Emmett, that is like a huge piece of who he is. And I just really like how he is with Elle. Like, when he first meets her... You know, she's just like huffing and puffing because she's gotten kicked out of class and she's really unhappy about it. And I think, of course, he immediately likes her because she's cute, you know, and he likes that bubbliness about her. And he's always willing to accept her as she is. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the thing that we we fall in love with about Emmett is that he's smart. He's really capable. He's also kind of humble because I don't feel like he's ever like showing out like he knows so much but you know instantly he really likes Elle for who she is after she's been with Warner who continually is telling her that who she is is no good Mm. and so it's like she finds the right person at the right time you know Luke Wilson is Emmett in this is such a breath of fresh air Mm -hmm. after the parade of turd men (laughs) you know that we've seen like there's so many turds they could be named like turd one turd two and like when Callahan like pulls that nasty bullshit I was like what because you know I thought you know the guy seemed decent when he was in class I was like he respects her for the talent and then it's just this nasty, yeah. nastiness. And I was like, oh, that was God. a huge, yeah, that was a huge disappointment. But yeah, I think that Emmett is, I just really like the character also because he's very grounded. He never seems silly. So, no. like, there's all these other things that I think, um, Etta, you made a great point that there's just these times in the movie where you're almost like drawn out of it by some of the silly stuff. Yeah. But I think with, like, the character of Emmett, I never have that. Like, he never seems silly or unrealistic or anything like that. And mm-hmm. it just brings that. Except for the insane hair that they put on him in the last scene, by the way. I, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. At the graduation. Yeah. they Yeah, like, what was that? <laughs> at the graduation, they keep cutting to him. And he has on, like, this Miami Vice suit. Right. And he has with, this like, mega yeah. tan. And I, you're like, what? I'm like, was he just on vacation so i'm like i don't know what's styled by l perhaps maybe <laughs> okay okay maybe that's it that maybe. works <laughs> that works that tracks maybe she's yeah. like doing a reverse warner on, on emmett and like turning him into you know what she wants him to be i don't know but i thought that was really strange and i'm like uh yeah. okay well and there's but there you know then you have like her parents her parents uh, are yes. all together very silly yes. people like her dad it has a martini at the graduation. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, right. come on. <laughs> well, and pink. Yeah, that was good. Oh, it's so yeah, and, and like the the thing that is established again. My my first fifteen minutes that I studied so hard, <laughs> I I went and saw that both her parents were actually wearing pink, and it was like, oh, okay. And I tried to find a, a pattern with who was wearing pink. And if they were nice or not, because pink and blue seem to be like the two big colors. And L also goes back and forth between pink and blue throughout the film. Yeah. I don't have a fully formed thought, well, but it was just something I noticed. Pink is like her signature color. You're right. So I love that because, you know, when she comes into the courtroom at the end to kind of take over the case, mm-hmm. everybody yeah. else is wearing like the dark suits and everything. And she comes in in this like 
very like 70s inspired like pink dress with like the little strappy mm -hmm. flower sandals and her hair is kind of like all blown out like Farrah Fawcett or something and she looks so different from everyone else in this courtroom but it's like that's her L uniform that she's put on to feel powerful because that's what makes her feel strong. And the reason she wins the case is because she's L and she knows about perms and she knows about that, that certain chemical. Yes. Yeah. I mean, ammonium thyglocolate. <laughs> nice. Nice. I'm yes. impressed that you remember that's that. That's so good. Yeah. But that's, yeah, that was like her big thing where she won the case. Cause, <laughs> and she starts to falter. Like, I think that's really the, you know, we did see her feel um, kind of sad and upset earlier in the movie when people were treating her badly. But I think the only time we really see her like super unsure of herself is like in that part of the court case where she is kind of like, OK, I'm going to take on the case. And she's very mm -hmm. strong, like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But then when like the rubber meets the road, she's like, oh, my God, like she actually has a moment of self-doubt, which I don't think is normal for her either because she's a very confident mm -hmm. person but it turns out that she leans back into what she knows mm -hmm. and that's what brings her through again and mm -hmm. i just love that i love that message that you know we all have our specific gifts and you know if we lean into those gifts and let that be who we are then we will mm -hmm. succeed i think that's a wonderful message for like every person but particularly for young girls, I think it's important because I think, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's even when I was younger and, and even now I think it's the same. Young girls have a really hard time because the world doesn't like support you being who you are. Everybody wants you to be different than who you are. And this mm -hmm. is a message of no, be who you are because that's who you're meant to be. Yeah, I love that. The ending of the movie, like, to this day, like, still makes me tear up. Like, I can't not have an emotional reaction to it. Even when we're just talking about these scenes, I'm getting goosebumps and stuff. So mm -hmm. I just, like, absolutely love this movie. And it's just because that's the final message. Be true to yourself. And that's why I'm so happy they went with that ending as opposed to any other. And it kind of ties back to what you were talking about with Emmett and Elle's relationship versus douchebag warner and l and l's relationship and like i feel like i didn't have a full appreciation for emmett until later in life and honestly probably till after i had been with henry who i'm married to now someone who i have a very good relationship with and he supports me because this movie really is not about emmett and l's relationship even though he's so pivotal too to her success He's just very supportive, nice, nurturing towards her. And so now when I watch the movie, I'm like, Emmett is the man. Like, I love him so much. I'm like, this is good stuff. But growing up, I didn't really consider their relationship in the same way whatsoever. But it's just so nice the way he nudges her forward in court. Come on, keep going. Like, that's just yes. so good. Yeah, I love that. He really believes in her. And that is what helps. And I also at the same time love that their relationship is not the center of the movie because we have so many of these types of movies where that is the most important thing. And it goes back to what I think I said like way too early in the podcast about 
the perfect day song at the beginning versus at the end where at the beginning Mm -hmm. her perfect day is defined around someone else around getting herself ready for Warner at the end her perfect day is having like this super empowered day where she gets to you know just appreciate her own accomplishments and share what she's learned with everyone because everyone wants to know what her thoughts are and Emmett is a part of that but he's not the center of that and Mm -hmm. I freaking love it because too many times and I love romantic movies so I'm not crapping on them but at the same time I feel like often if there's a female-centered movie the story becomes too much about the relationship and not enough about something else going on and in this I think that this was the very right balance between yes she has this relationship with this guy who's really supportive and great but for the most part it's more about her own self-knowledge her own journey her friendships with other women and what those things do you know to bring her forward in life and i i love that i think it's super successful well we also have the fact that when emmett shows up okay in in the first scene so we have emmett show up and he does not say hey i'm hot shit you know (laughs) i do this you know i work with callahan he's just being like a regular person with her and he's just like hey you know that's cool And he gives her advice just because he wants to help. And again, the other reason I love that he doesn't announce who he is is because it isn't like then his character kind of takes over the movie. We stay with Elle, you know, and it's just like and Emmett, you know, while that is the, the relationship he really is kind of like a sidekick or in the back seat, mm-hmm. like we see him. We're like, oh, he's there, you know, and he'll be cool. He'll be supportive. And he's happy to be there. Yes. It's like, you know, he doesn't need to take over. He doesn't need to be in charge. Nope. And the whole thing is he could be because, like, we don't find it out right away, but we find it out later that he's pretty freaking accomplished, too. Like, yep. he was the editor of the Law Review, and he you know, has done all these things. And even though he's a young guy who looks like he's just another student, like he's actually achieved quite a bit, but he's quite humble about it. Um, And I think that that is meaningful too. You know what I just thought of? Let's just compare when Emmett sees Elle in the bunny suit versus when Warner sees Elle in the bunny suit. Because remember Warner's first line is, oh, don't you look like a walking felony? Like what a rude... Um, horrible thing to say to someone. Like, yeah. what an insult. And then when Emmett conveniently shows up in line when she's getting a laptop, like, what's he doing here? But he's there, which is, I really love that moment. And she just says, don't say anything. And he doesn't. He doesn't say anything. But he, you could tell he likes her bunny suit, but he definitely does not degrade her. That <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's cool. Well, and another part that I really like with it. <laughs> Was when she was leaving the class after she made that great point about the sperm donor. And yeah. Callahan was like, oh, I think you won your case. And then Callahan is like, hey, are you going to apply for the internship? And she's like, oh, I don't know. And he's like, well, do you have a resume? And she hands him over this pink paper resume with perfume on it or whatever. And he's like, uh, it's pink. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and then she leaves and he's like, and Emmett comes in and he's like, look at this. And he's like smell this it's scented he's like smells good right <laughs> like no so issue good. 
Yeah, he takes her seriously. (laughs) Yeah, and it's just because that's who she is, and he thinks who she is is pretty cool. So, you know, the Mm -hmm. funny thing is, Emmett is like an attractive guy and like a smart guy, an accomplished guy, and he probably could have gotten any variety of girls. But he, I think the reason that he's into Elle is because he sees that she is really, really awesome and super accomplished too. And it's like somebody that's really actually on his level in a way that I'm sure he doesn't meet very often. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. she's a super achiever like he is and he sees that specialness in her. um, And, you know, that's what makes him interested. So I think that's super great. I just love it. The, the real genius of this film is, is to, to the average person who sees it, you just think it's going to be a few laughs, right? You're like, oh, this will be a fun night out. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, wow, there is so much more yeah. to this. There's mm-hmm. so much more to this. And, and yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. Agreed. Totally. All right. Well, I think that, that we've probably squeezed all the juice out of this movie at this point. <laughs> It was really good talk. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us. Yes. We loved having you. And, you know, <laughs> hopefully we'll uh, get you back in the future to talk about another good movie that we can all enjoy. Um, but, yeah, until then, everyone, stay comfy. Stay comfy. <laughs>